Amen. Amen. It's been a good day already, hasn't it? Oh, man. Two of you think it has. Glad we practiced all week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> joking, joking. I love you. If you're new, we're really sarcastic around here. And I know we should let people in on that clue first. But if you are a guest of ours, I'm really glad that you're here. My name is Mitch. I have the joy and privilege of being the pastor of Redeemer City Church. And uh, we started this endeavor uh, in a step of faith about two and a half years ago with the dream that if God brought the kingdom of heaven on earth, just as it is in heaven, what would the city of Tampa look like? And And the thing that kept coming to mind was, as we were reading the scripture and praying, was that it would be a redeemed city. That it would be a place where God would take old things and make them new. That God would take what is dead and bring life. And that's our story, is it not? Amen? It's our story that I was once lost, but now I'm found that Christ is my treasure. So if you are a guest, you came at a good time. We're kicking off a brand new series on miracles. And the question we're asking is, do you believe in miracles? I'll never forget the first time I heard the statement, when pigs fly. I was in middle school, and I had a friend who was... He thought he had fallen in love with a girl. And uh, I realize now that middle school, we were stupid. We had, I mean, can we just confess that in the name of Jesus? That middle schoolers, I love all of you. I love you, brother. I love you. I didn't make great decisions when I was your age. I'm believing better for you. And, uh, but I'll never forget the first time we were in PE class. Anybody like PE class? You know, you would ask your, when your teachers would come or your friends would say, what's your favorite subject? It was lunch, amen? That was number one. And recess, if you were in elementary school, PE, if you were in middle school. Hallelujah. And uh, all the rest we could do without and we would have been just fine. All right. There's a verse in the Bible that says, I'm smarter than all my teachers. That's in the Bible. You Google it later. And uh, that was my life verse until I became a teacher of the Bible. And then I realized I was actually dumb. And uh, I needed to go to school more. So all that being said, we were in PE class and I was in the fifth grade or sixth grade. I can't remember which, but it was middle school, and it was a long time ago. Uh, but my friend was walked into middle school PE class and announced, it was all, all boys at that time, and he announced, today is the day that I'm going to ask this girl out. And the teacher, swift and quick, said, oh, when pigs fly, and we were all like, What? And that was my first experience with that. But you also get it, right? When we say things like, when pigs fly, when something is so far beyond the possibility of reality that we throw out this term, when pigs fly. And as we think about miracles, I think that most of you sitting here today, just by your presence in church, would intellectually agree with me that yes, God can do miracles. If I was just to poll you, I think we would get 100% participation. Yes, God is God. He can do what He wants. But here's where the rubber meets the road. So many of us, 
believe intellectually that God can do miracles, but we don't believe pragmatically or practically that God is doing miracles. You understand the difference? There's a huge difference in believing that you can and that you will. In believing that God can heal me or that He is going to heal me. And so when we come to Scripture, we see from the beginning to the end, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. In fact, the story of humanity begins with a miracle, doesn't it? That there was nothing and God, by His voice, spoke into existence everything. We began with a miracle. And then God looked at the thing that He had made and said, it needs humanity. And so He fashioned Adam and breathed into him the breath of life. A miracle. So when pigs fly is a sarcastic remark referring to what can't be. But I'm wondering if God is doing miracles that we're not paying attention to? And I think the answer is yes. So we're going to take the next few weeks and look at different kinds of miracles that God is doing all around us. And now listen, I'm not going to bring any snakes up here and have them charm you and then be like, and then have you come up and me smack you on the forehead. Like, I don't, I don't roll like that, okay? And, uh, I don't, I don't think you would either. I think that would just be real awkward for both of us because you'd come up here and I'd be like, bam, you'd be like, that hurt a lot and nothing happened, right? And, uh, I've got a mom who lives in a wheelchair. I've got a son who has spina bifida and wears leg braces. If I could just smack people in the forehead and heal people, how many of you know they would be walking with no problem? Amen? Okay? But, within that, we have in our family seen God do some miracles. And so, so we just want to unpack all that. But what, what I do think you need to understand is that it's not a miracle when you show up at International Mall at Christmas time and, so, and the lady leaving Dillard's goes right to the car at the front, backs out as you pull up, and then you, she pulls away and you beat three people in while giving them the finger. And then you're like, it's a miracle! God! He's alive! Pigs have flown! That's not a miracle. That's just you showing up at the right time and then acting like a non-Christian. Okay? And hey, this is a safe place for you. If you need to come down here and confess your sins after church today, I'll be here to pray with you and I'll be confessing my sins for all the things I did while driving this week. Okay? So what is a miracle? I want to give you a working definition. If you have notes today, you can fill these out. There's lots for you. If you are a note taker, not only are you going to get into heaven faster, but today is your day. Today is your day. You are going to be writing furiously while I take this, while I preach this. But what is a miracle? Well, we need like a good working definition. And, and if you were to look that up, there would be things to study for long, long periods of time. I got, I got academic books on miracles. I got layman's work, books on miracles. There is a ton of information. Tons. Volumes and volumes of academic research. 
Uh, if you're interested in that, there's a guy named Craig Keener who wrote an academic work on miracles. And if you just want to know that they're possible scientifically, historically, and accurately, uh, just pick that up. It's like $50, and it's like 4 billion pages, and it'll take you two years to read it. But you'll know without a shadow of a doubt that they're possible. I'm on page like 12. And... uh there, there's another book written by Eric Metaxas. You might have heard of him. It's just a yellow book. It's called Miracles. It's like the really short version of that book. Okay, so if you just want to go go somewhere and and get get the easy version, that that's a great place to start. Good, accurate information, and good uh, philosophy behind that from a Christian worldview. But what is a miracle? If we were, if I was going to boil it down for you, and as people of the book, people of the Word of God, if we're just going to Scripture and looking at what a miracle is, I would just simply give you this definition and you can write it down. When God intervenes. If you want a little bit more, when God obviously intervenes. Let me give you a personal example and I'm going to share a Scripture with you and unpack some things today. But there are times in life, if you are paying attention that it is so obvious that God has reached down and intervened in the circumstances of your life that it can't be attributed to anybody else. Let me give you a personal example. Some of you know this, but I battle uh, a thyroid disease and it has caused all kinds of different issues and, and that's not the point. But for six years, I had a, a growth on my thyroid that just a couple months ago they believed had become cancerous. And so it was 60% cancer, 40% not, and they were just going to operate. That, that was just, in fact, it was just July 6th, I think I was supposed to have uh, an operation to take out my thyroid and, may, and test for cancer and potentially do other stuff. Well, I went back on my pre-operation uh, ultrasound. They do a little ultrasound on your thyroid, and it was completely gone. Completely gone. I, I think that deserves a little bit of praise for Jesus, doesn't it? And, and now listen, I, I didn't go to a Benny Hinn revival or anything like that and get smacked on the face and or anything like that. You, you, you know what happened? We had a city group at our house and we prayed for it. Because God doesn't have to, but He might want to. And so a miracle is simply when God intervenes. And, and the Bible goes even further to say in Hebrews that without faith, it is impossible to please God. You could do everything the Bible says exactly right, which you can't, by the way, so let's not even go there. But even if you could, you could do all of that, be convinced that you did it on your own, and go to hell. Why? Because it's not about what you can do for God, it's about what God has done for you. Amen? And so, a miracle is when God intervenes. Just a short, working definition. When it is obvious that God has intervened in our natural world. That's why we call it supernatural. When God intervenes. Let me take you to a scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. And, and I want you to pay attention to some of the 
aspects of what the Bible says here. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in, if you're a highlighter, this is a great place to highlight, in His mighty power. So what I'm trying to tell you is that miracles are happening all around us today, but not because we do them, but because God does them. This text is saying, be strong in the Lord, but in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the what realms? Heavenly realms. Supernatural realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after having, after you have done everything to stand. Why do I read that scripture when we talk about miracles? I'm going to jump in your notes to the next part and then come back to the other part because I want you to pay attention to this. There are two mistakes that we make as followers of Jesus. Two mistakes. You're going to see on your notes there are two big mistakes we make. One of them is that we overemphasize what spiritual forces can do. We overemphasize. For, for some of you, everything is a miracle and everything is a demon. You, you pull into that parking spot, it's a miracle. If you can't find a parking spot, it's the devil. If you uh, get to the checkout register and suddenly the price has been marked down and you get to pay half of what you thought you were going to pay, you're like, oh, hallelujah, Jesus is alive. And, you're like, and it's like, he's alive whether you got that discount or not, right? So some, some of us, we're, we're over-emphasizing. Like, if you didn't study for your test, teenager, and you fail, it wasn't a demon. <laughs> Unless it was the one in the mirror, right? Like, we have to study to get a good grade on our test. Amen, teenagers? Amen? Amen? College student? Amen? Amen? No, I'm not getting a lot of feedback from you people. <laughs> like, don't judge me. Spirit can move. You're right. You're right. So some of us, we, we overemphasize and, and, and we look and say and attribute to a demon what is just laziness. And we attribute to a demon what is just, you fill in the blank for you. However, the second big mistake we make is we underemphasize what is possible in the spiritual world. We underestimate I love the quote that Craig Rochelle says. He says, The greatest lie the devil has ever pulled off, the history of the world has ever pulled off, is convincing the world that he doesn't exist. Think about that. The greatest lie the devil has ever pulled off is convincing the world that he doesn't exist. If you were to walk out these doors and take a right, and begin to mingle with the people that are all around us in this neighborhood, you would find that most people think you are absolutely nuts that you believe that there are spiritual forces at work in this world. But what I want you to know is that doesn't make it any less true. Often we underestimate demonic influence. But Jesus through Paul is telling us 
that we have to be strong in the Lord to be able to withstand spiritual forces. What kind of miracle takes place in our life in these moments? It's miracles of deliverance. Miracles of deliverance. So so let, let's go here. What is a demon? Right? Because... It's one thing for us to talk about demons and, and Satan and, and all these things and, and the evil day that the Bible's referring to. But what's a demon? What's a demon? A demon is a spirit of the devil. There, there, there's a story in Isaiah where it talks about Satan. Did you know that Satan began as the worship leader in heaven? Satan was the one leading worship in the presence of God. And you know what happened? To Satan, his name was Lucifer at that point. And you can read about this. I think it's in Isaiah 14, if you want to write that down for later. But Lucifer is leading worship in heaven, and he begins to see who God is, and he begins to desire what God has. But how many of you know that when we try to take the place of God, everything goes wrong? That happens in your life. Did you know that? You know that every time you sin, we're declaring that we would rather be our own boss than have God as boss. We'd rather be our own Lord instead of the Lord being Lord. And we struggle with that every single day. Lucifer struggled with that every single day. And there came a point where he said, you know what, I'm I'm going to be God. And God kicked him out of heaven. And with him went, most scholars believe, about a third of the angels. And they became demons. And so so these are people that know God better than you know God. Are you tracking with that? They, they were in the presence, the worship and throne room of heaven and were thrown out and their only goal is to help you believe that God does not exist. Because if they can do that, then they win. But the beauty of the gospel is that in spite of that, Jesus came and the Bible says that he came to be a light in the world. And that the darkness has not overcome it. So it, it's a spirit of the devil. And, and I would just say this to you. In your notes there, it says, it's, there's two blanks. One, de- one devil, many demons. One devil, many demons. So, so G- God is what we would call in the theology world omnipresent. He can be everywhere at once. Satan and his demons cannot. But the Bible says in 1 Peter that the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour you live in a spiritual battle every single day of your life and and any time that you can be delivered from that temptation to sin or delivered from that oppressive situation or see your child delivered from an oppressive situation it's a miracle of deliverance done by almighty god because you and i can't do it why else would scripture come to us and say be strong in the lord and in His mighty power. That that implies that there are other powers after you every single day of your life. And if you ignore that fact, you're going to fall on that fact every single day of your life. If I ignore that fact, I'm going to be living in bondage. We sing a lot about chains being broken. Well, that's, That's not just a theory. It's a real thing that's happening in real time in real lives, including yours. We need miracles of deliverance every single day and not the weird kind. Not the weird stuff you see on television. We, we need 
God to intervene in our life and do miracles of deliverance in our life and in our neighbor's life and in our co-worker's life and all around us. And the beauty of it is, is that he in Matthew 5 says that you are the city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And that you are now... So, so Jesus comes and says, I am the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. He is choosing to channel His light through you into the world. And so, I'm getting ahead of myself. I gotta, we gotta slow down. I gotta give you some blanks before we get to the good part. Alright? But let, let's think just real fast about what demons do. Okay? So let's just get real practical. Where is it possible that a demon has been influencing your life? Where is that possible? According to 2 Timothy 2.26, number one, demons tempt you to sin. Look at this scripture here. It says, And that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. This is Paul telling a young pastor who happened to be my age in his early 30s, Telling him, when you encounter spiritual oppression, this is what's happening. The devil has taken them trapped and captive to do his will. If you are not following Jesus, if you are not doing what God has called you to do, but you know that Jesus is Lord and you're not doing it, you're under the influence of the devil. Evil is evil and ought to be called evil. Are you tracking with me? Now, I'm not saying you're evil. Because the Bible says, when the old is gone, the new has come. And Jesus is more powerful. Come on, church. Jesus is more powerful than Satan. And so demons tempt you to sin. Number two, demons distract you from God's will. 1 Timothy 4.1 The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So, so when that person comes to church with you, seems to enjoy it, and then never comes back, they've been, they've chosen to follow things taught by demons. Did you ever just think about the fact that, that any secular worldview that contradicts the Bible is put there by Satan? Like, like let, let's not just be like, oh, those people are so dumb. Why can't they see? Why can't they see when they stand at the beach that God created everything? That stuff doesn't just come, boom! Oh, look! It's, it's man. Why can't they see what you can see? The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Listen, I'm not the demon under every rock kind of guy, but at the same token, there's a demon under every rock. I don't want to be weird, but I also want to be naive. And so, demons distract you from God's will. So, God's not the only one who puts stumbling blocks in your path. But Satan will. If God's called you to do something, you better believe Satan's going to make it hard to get there. The demons are going to make it hard to get there. If God called you to adopt a child, you better believe God's going to get you there, but there's going to be distraction along the way. God might call you to foster care. Some of, He's done that for some of you in here. God's going to get you there, but Satan's going to do his best to make it miserable. God's going to give some of you children, and holy moly, you're going to be like, demons are everywhere. 
Hallelujah. I have three kids. God's going to allow some of you to get married. You're going to be like, there's a demon in there. We're going to cast that out. <laughs> and all the ladies said... <laughs> that was way too quick, Amy. Way too quick, Jake. We'll lay, hand, we'll lay hands on you afterwards. Just kidding. Demons distract you from God's will. Number three, demons inflict suffering. Demons inflict suffering. Matthew 17, 15, and then 17 to 18. Here's what the Bible says. Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? He's talking to the people that are following him and watching him do miracles and seeing everything cool. And it was just, But it was just a spectacle. It was just all about the lights and it was all about the cool hipster wood wall. And it was all about the, you know, whatever it is for you and whatever, you know, cool music, whatever. Jesus had stuff like that. He was doing miracles. I mean, that was cooler than fog. I mean, he was like healing people. But they were only coming for the show. Look what he says. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. What a statement. Your your boy's in seizures and God's like, what's wrong with you? Wait, what? (laughs) Jesus rebuked what? The dad? What does it say? Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. That's powerful. Jesus is greater than the devil the next thing in your notes there I think this is an incredibly important statement for you to wrap your head around we are not miraculous people Uh, you're not going to come in here next Sunday and I'm going to be able to fix your broken leg or fix your marriage or fix whatever it is but here's what I want you to understand today we are not miraculous people but God is a miraculous God God is a miraculous God who has authority over darkness. He has authority over darkness. So what do you do if you have a problem? Next thing in your notes, what do you do if you have a problem? You do what's natural and you fight against spiritual forces of darkness. You do what's natural. What what, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? So if, if, like when I had a thyroid problem, I didn't just pray. I went to the doctor. I, I did what's natural. Bible's not anti-medicine, by the way. You should, you should take a full advantage of the brilliant minds God created on this earth. But while you do what's natural, you pray for what's supernatural. Am I making sense to somebody? While you do what's natural, you pray for what's supernatural. Uh, James said, if it, is anyone sick among you, let him come to the elders of the church and have them lay hands on them and pray for them, and God might heal you. It's a total possibility. God might heal your marriage. God might heal your kid. God might bring your kid back. You know, all of that. God cares. So we do what's natural for battling anxiety. We go to the doctor and pray in the name of Jesus for healing. If a child's rebelling, we take their phone away and we monitor their friends and we pray for spiritual protection. Right? You're just like, I don't know what to do. Well, you take away the phone, the keys, the... You know, food. No, I'm just kidding. Don't ever take their food away. (laughs) Just making sure you're paying attention. If you're battling an alcohol addiction or a porn addiction, we enroll in AA or counseling and ask God for deliverance. We do both. We do what's natural 
And we ask for what's supernatural. But what is darkness? I think this is, this is going to be key for somebody. What is darkness? Oftentimes we think in your notes there that darkness is the opposite of light. It's not the opposite of light. It's the absence of light. Darkness is not opposite of light. It's the absence of light. Why is that so important? Because in 1 John 4, 4, what we figure out is that wherever there is spiritual darkness and you walk in, light walks in. Look at, look at 1 John. Do I have 1 John 4, 4? Yes. Look at this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You can overcome darkness because when you walk in, if Jesus is in your life, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, the one in you is greater than the one in the world. And so when you walk into darkness, light walks in. Does that make sense? So if if you have a child who's rebelling and you step into that moment in the power of the Holy Spirit, light has stepped into their world. If you have a boss who is treating people unfairly and you stick with that job and you step into that moment in the power of the Holy Spirit, doing what's natural, working hard, and asking for the supernatural deliverance from that, light has walked into your office. If you walk across the street to your neighbors and they're militantly against what you believe, but you walk over there, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, in the power of the Holy Spirit, light has walked into your neighborhood. Are you following me? So the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And many of us don't live that way. Many of us don't live that way. And what I want to ask you to do is to reconsider the way you live your life. Because what does the Bible say? We're not fighting for victory, in your notes, but from victory. Because Jesus said on the cross, what? It is in progress. That's not what he said. He said it's finished. Jesus has secured the victory so you can live from victory, not for victory. It'll change your world. Change your world. So when you boil all of that down, I want to ask you a simple question. And then this is where I want to end today. Band's going to come up. They're going to play a song of response for us. But here's what I know, that every single one of you wherever you find yourself today, you are facing some sort of spiritual darkness. Every one of us, every single one of us are facing something. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to do two things. I want you to write it down somewhere. See, because because if, if we don't face up to it, we're never going to defeat it. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins. He, he's already secured forgiveness for you. But why does He want you to confess it? Because it's you and I who get put into slavery. It's you and I who, who submit ourselves to bondage. And so in this moment, as these guys play for us and sing for us, some of you need to sing. Some of you need to just praise Jesus. You need to open your mouth and praise Jesus because you haven't been doing that with your life. Some of you need to confess sin. You need to, right where you are or down here on these prayer mats, you, you need to confess sin. Some of you need to put your arm around your spouse and encourage them because they're fighting spiritual forces of darkness. And some of you just need to pray to the God of heaven and give your life to Jesus. Is He calling you? John chapter 6 says, if the Spirit is calling you, you will come. 
Is the Spirit calling you today? Is it time for you to cross the line of faith to put your trust in Jesus? Today's the day. Don't leave without Him. It's the free gift of eternal life. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray and ask that God would move in your heart, that the Holy Spirit would have His way. And then the guys are going to sing for us. And I just want, while this, while these words are happening, that as the Holy Spirit meets with you, that you would respond to Him. That's all we can do. As God moves, we respond. And just know that He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. But if you don't know Jesus, do us the honor of letting us know. We would love to share with you how you can become a Christian today. So listen to these words. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. Father, you alone are worthy of our praise. We trust you. We believe in you. And where we don't believe yet, I pray that you would help us in our unbelief. You're a good father. And we trust you. I pray for every person in this room, wherever they find themselves, that they would see you in this moment. If they've never confessed you as Lord, I pray that today would be the day. Holy Spirit, would you move right now into their heart and do work. For those that know Jesus, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would work with them right now, that you would manifest yourself to them, convict of sin, encourage the brokenhearted, lift up the downcast. We're so grateful for Jesus today. Let's listen as the band sings.